Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. The really hard part for e-commerce brands is to replicate that in-person customer care feeling online. How do you make it a unique experience where they really connect with the brand in a way, in the way that they want to, and make it different? Imagine living your normal day and getting your car fueled up on demand. Seriously. Check out LA Startup Refill Fuel and enter code WeRLATech for $10 off. That's Refill Fuel. It's amazing. Literally, you can be anywhere and have your gas totally topped off the tank and not even have to deal with it. No more gas stations. So go to refillfuel.com. That's R E F I L L F U E L.com. Code WeRLATech for $10 off. We could not do this without the community believing in our vision together. We Are LA Tech is independently funded, funded by you, the community. So to support We Are LA Tech, go to patreon.com slash we are LA Tech. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash we are LA Tech. Welcome to the We Are LA Tech show. My name is Brian Nickerson. I'm guest hosting for Esprit Devora. Um, I'm co-founder and CEO of Magic Links. Uh, We are a technology that helps YouTube creators sell products through their channel. And uh, We Are LA Tech is all about the LA Tech community. We're really excited about uh, growing this community. Um, Esprit has been a part of this community for forever. She's right now traveling all around the United States, interviewing women entrepreneurs for women in tech. Um, And she's doing an amazing job. But right now we've got an amazing guest on the show, uh, someone who's a friend who I've known for a long time and is doing really innovative things in tech. Devin McGoy. Devin, how are you? Hello, Brian. Nice to see you. <laughs> Great Thanks for having me on the show. Great to see you as well. Um, so Devin, tell us what you're up to now. Right now, I am the COO of Parachute. We are based in Venice, California, and we are a company focused on um, reinventing the way people think about their homes. Uh, we spend a lot of time making uh, products that that we feel make the home a a more comfortable and inviting place to live. We're relentlessly focused on quality um, and the origin of our products. And we take great care to make the design something that that really enhances uh, the way people live. We were an e-commerce company, so almost all of our business is online. And um, we think of ourselves as sort of the next generation uh, of home brands. Yeah, it's fascinating. And for those who don't know, uh, parachute is on Rose, right? In, in Venice. Yeah. We have a store right across the street from Venice beach wines. Uh, we opened it up. <laughs> so you can wine and bedding. It yeah. goes together, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to end the day. Uh, we opened it up last year, sort of as an experiment and, uh-huh. um, it's done really well and so well that we opened our second store up in Portland, Oregon in, uh, Northwest 23rd. And we're considering opening several more stores uh, over the next year or two. Amazing. And so did, did you start out as e-commerce and then open the store or did those happen together? Yeah, we were 100% e-commerce uh, when we started almost four years ago. 
Um, I think the store has been a really interesting strategic exercise for us, and you see it with lots of other brands, obviously. Warby Parker has, has dramatically expanded their store footprint over time, as has Tom's. And then you see lots of um, smaller startup brands, for example, Away in New York City, um, and, and other people really leveraging the store as um, a marketing vehicle and a way to really connect with customers in a way that is unique to the online experience. Yeah, I mean, I find that fascinating, right? Because there's a, a, there's a whole, in, in e-commerce, there's a whole thing of like, you cut out the store footprint, so you have a lower cost basis, right? You don't have a lease. And yet, I think some of the most innovative brands like Parachute, right, have actually said, that's important, but it actually is important to connect with your customers, right, in person and have an actual relationship with people. Yeah, we actually see that there's kind of a couple different types of customers. And mm-hmm. most importantly for us, and I think for other brands, is that we are a brand. And we're uh, we're interested in any channel that makes sense uh, where we can maintain our, our brand feel and, and interact with the customer with the customer in the way that they want to be interacted with. And Mm -hmm. some people want to do this purely online. They just want the convenience of that. Some people really want to come into stores and touch and feel the product, especially for bedding, which is a little tricky online to understand the way it's it's an intimate product, right? Yeah. And so um, we set up our stores a little bit differently. We don't have big bedding displays and room setups and what you might see in something like a West Elm or Pottery Barn. We really focus on the fabrics. So people come in and they have a chance to um, get up close and personal, feel lots of different fabrics, think about the ways to mix and match. Um, and we found that there's a certain segment of customers that really enjoy this. Um, it, at some point, it may merge where all customers want the same experience. But for mm-hmm. now, uh, we cater to several different types of folks. Yeah. So um, for the holidays, everyone should be sleeping on parachute sheets, right? Uh, and using parachute bedding. and No question. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. At, like all of L.A. would sleep better. Your significant well, other would be happier. All of your relatives and other cities everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Not just LA. It's a great gift and it's a great, a great thing to have in the home. Yeah. We're going to be doing some great stuff around gifting too. So. Yeah. Amazing. It's a great LA based company um, and, uh, and really phenomenal products and uh, I'm really excited about that. And so, and you guys are innovating also, like you've got a cool hangout space. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about the Parachute Hotel? Tell us about the Parachute Hotel. Uh, well, it's no longer actually technically the Parachute Hotel, uh, but it's more like the Parachute Residence. Um, it even, is a beautiful, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is a beautiful loft space right above our store. So mm-hmm. our store is interesting. Where the front part is the store, the front part of the building is the store, and then the office is right behind the store. So there's, you know, we've got forty people sitting right behind the wall of the um, of the store itself. And then above that, we have this uh, 2,200-square-foot loft. And the, the thought behind that and, and what we've really found it to be great for is displaying the parachute lifestyle. So we've set it up in the way that we feel most comfortable. We've set it up so that it's a home that, that we really want to be in all the time. Yeah. And we love to host events and have people up there um, to participate in that with us. How do you engage with customers with there? How do people come, you know, to, to, to be a part of that? Yeah, so uh, we have tried to recreate what we envision as the parachute home. Mm-hmm. So it, it's technically a residence, and we very much treat it like a residence. Um, but we hold events up there and invite special people to come by. And uh, if you ever have an opportunity to come by, we would love to have you. Um, it is a beautiful place, and and 
and very much the way that we envision the parachute brand coming to life. Amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful. I've, uh, I've seen it from the ground, but, uh, but never been up there. So I'd love to, love to come check one it day, out. Can I get it? One day you'll get an invite. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got to talk to Ariel about that. <laughs> so the other interesting thing, cause I've, I've been to the store a couple of times. I think it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. You go in and the experience is fantastic. Um, and, and when you, when you walk in the store, you feel comfortable, like you would just want to hang out there, um, which is amazing. But the other thing I found fascinating is the, the customer service experience, like the, the employees are in the store, like you guys are innovating there. Can yeah, you tell us about that? It's really interesting. So the store is connected to the office, kind of like we mentioned before. Yeah. This, and there's a little two foot gap between the store and the office. And so we can hear a lot of what's going on up there. So from an em- employee development standpoint, we, we listen a lot and we really care about the way that the customer interacts with the brand. And so we talked about it a little bit before, but when people come in, we interact with, or we want the customer to have the experience that they want to have. So if they touch and feel and they ask a lot of different questions and they want to buy something right then, they can. We have inventory in the store. Uh, if they want to have something sent to them, we're also happy to do that. They can pick up in the store. Um, and then we also encourage all of our employees to actually work in the store to really get a feel for um, who our customers are and, and what they're looking for uh, out of the brand. Yeah. And that's uh, as, as someone who's been in e-commerce for a long time and I guess has experienced a lot of the challenges in customer service when you're actually in store. To me, that's that's just such an innovative way that Parachute is, is really developing, right? Because I feel like so many so many retailers in their brick and mortar presence think of these different job functions that they chop up, um, right? Someone's involved with the checkout. Someone else is involved with customer service to help you find the clothes and pick it out. Someone else is doing something else, right? And at Parachute, there's my experience there has been that there's this cross-functional piece that someone is responsible for all of those. And then also that learning that the employee base can get, right? So other retailers, you've got, you know, people at like a corporate office at this beautiful headquarters, right? With like thousands of people. And they're also thousands of miles away from the customers who are engaging with their products every day. And they're the ones making decisions and like parachute is bringing those two together. Yeah. There, there is a real disconnect, I think, in some of the older, ways of doing business. And that's understandable because the systems and the technology were different back then. I think what's so unique about now is that you can integrate all these different channels and in theory, make it a really seamless customer experience. I think the the really hard part for e-commerce brands is to replicate that in-person customer care feeling mm, online. So right. for customers that only want to do it online, how do you make it a unique experience where they really connect with the brand in a way, in the way that they want to, mm-hmm. um, and make it different? Because lots of, you know, there's a lot of people competing in the online space right yeah. now. Yeah. So how does, who do you look up to there? Like what, what online retailer do you think does an amazing job of that? Because I, I think of this space, it's a place where I spend a lot of time and you look at Amazon as the global leader. And their product pages really, I mean, like haven't really changed in a long period of time. It's effective for moving product, but it's not really, it's not like, it's not an amazing experience around the product. It's just like, it's more of a, of a task, right? You can get the product, you can get it to you really quick. But are there any brands you see, um, I mean, Parachute, I'd love to know both what you guys do to innovate, but also like, who's your muse? Like who does yeah. this really well? Well, absolutely. And I think unquestionably Amazon wins on the service side. I mean, they have built this incredible infrastructure and it's really enjoyable as a even a customer to interact with them from a service standpoint. But I think what you're bringing up is they haven't 
they haven't spent a lot of time um, working on the brand side of things. So helping uh, retailers and, and brands communicate what the value proposition of their product is mm-hmm. um, other than price. You know, Amazon is mostly like a features and functionality and price engine. And I think there's been a lot of people that have really succeeded through their own channels in communicating the value of their product. I think LA brands specifically, Tom's was like an early leader in Mm, this. They're sort of, you know, I've heard all these amazing stories about when they were 40 people in an office on Sentinella or or wherever they were and really just trying to figure out e-commerce. Like, how do we do this? And then there's been brands more recently like Honest Company and um, Thrive Market that I think have really um, been able to scale by communicating their message, um, largely a product message about mm-hmm. why their product is different um, and have been really successful um, against somebody like Amazon. Sure. And so so you've got a lot of experience in this as well, right? Um, <laughs> on the brand side? Uh, yeah, on the brand. Well, and in e-commerce, right? Because you t- tell us, so can you share where you, where you were before Parachute? Oh, sure. Yeah. Before Parachute, I spent uh, a couple years at Nasty Gal, uh, which was also one of the early pioneers in many ways um, of online fashion. And I think one of the things that Nasty Gal and Sophia in particular did so well at the beginning. That's was, Sophia Amoruso, yeah? Yeah, Sophia Amoruso um, was was harness that power of brand. She has an incredible eye for um, for clothing and for lifestyle. And she was able to turn that into an online persona that I think really people really got behind. Yeah. And Nasty Gal did some experimentation in the physical retail store too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that was sort Here of- Here in LA. Yeah. That yeah. was partially why I'm personally bullish on retail. I We opened, when I was at Nasty Gal, we opened a store on, on Melrose. Um, it was 1,500 square foot. And the day it opened, there was a line of like 300 people wrapping yeah, around the people block. People love that brand. Yes. <laughs> and that store was actually a really successful store. It was profitable and- and growing. Um, I think there was also, you know, the, the other store that we did down in Santa Monica was a little bit trickier because it was a slightly different demographic. And I think for all of us at the brand, it was a really interesting moment of, you just have to be really thoughtful about where you put your stores. Yeah. And I always thought, I mean, for me, the nasty gal that, you know, you walk up to the store in West Hollywood, right? And it had the like, no, it's not a porn site. I just thought it like owns, it owns the, the it owns the brand image so way in such a unique way. Yeah. Well, and that was all Sophia. I mean, she's, she's so funny and clever and interesting and smart. Like, yeah, she nailed that. Yeah. Amazing. So how big is Parachute now? Are you able to say how many employees you guys have or? Uh, we're about 40 employees at this point. Um, and, and stores here in, uh, in Venice and in Portland and considering other places. Yeah, there's a lot of markets that I think yeah. are really interesting in the, the U.S. I think the ones that we're most focused on are the ones that have neighborhoods that that we identify with. And we're still in the process of figuring those out. But of course, New York and San Francisco and Chicago has great neighborhoods, D.C. Um, and we're, you know, it's, it's, it's largely we just have to um, do the analysis and some of it's going to be opportunistic, but we're pretty optimistic. Yeah. And so, so let's talk a little bit about, about scaling, right. Um, and how, how you think about that. And, um, you know, in e-commerce, you've got to think both about how do you scale, how do you have like the right amount of inventory and how are you acquiring customers and how are you doing those two things at once? These are not easy challenges, right? There are a lot of retails retailers struggle with this. And especially as a startup where, 
Um, you know, capital can be more of a constraint than if you're certainly an Amazon or a Kohl's or a Walmart, right? Capital is a totally different perspective at the high end of retail. Um, but you guys are innovating. Um, can you share a little <laughs> bit about, about how you yeah. think about the, the challenges of scale? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's one of those never ender, never ending challenges. And I am partial to the, you know, I'm, I'm obviously going to focus on the operational component of it most, but it's really this dance between how much are you selling? How much do you have on order? And how much do you have in your warehouse at that moment? And um, between the three of those, you should, if, you know, if you're really successful in the long run, you should be able to predict where you're going to be from an inventory standpoint and avoid uh, stockouts. Well, there's sort of two things you want to avoid. You want to avoid stockouts and you want to avoid too much stock. Mm -hmm. And it's that magical dance between those two that in a lot of ways determines success of an inventory-based brand. Um, I think on the how much are you selling side, that's really it's a it's a marketing and branding and product discussion mm -hmm. and uh, and so so important. And then on the the operation side of how much you have and how much is coming, to me that's really uh, a tech infrastructure and um, and planning exercise in a lot of ways. Right. And you're, you're thinking about which part of that you parachute should own, right. Or, or parachute employees should drive and which parts you outsource with partners as well. Yeah. And I think over the history of e-commerce, the benefit of being later to the game and not being an early pioneer is, is you've seen a couple different versions of that. Like mm -hmm. I've worked at a company that tried to do it all in-house. There are many companies that do it externally. And I think there's benefits to both. I think the value of, of having everything in-house is that you control the entire experience. I think the tricky part about having everything in-house is that you control the entire experience. And, <laughs> right. and if, you know, if, you, yeah. if anything gets out of whack, then it's, it's all on you and you can have major liabilities um, very quickly. Yeah. So I think Parachute has opted for the most important thing, again, for us is the customer and making sure that the customer is identifying with the brand. And so we've spent a lot of time focusing on the front end, the product, the quality, making sure that everything there is amazing, and then leveraging infrastructure, both technological and operating um, to allow us to scale very quickly without having to build it all of our, all ourselves. Yeah. Amazing. And I think, I mean, I mean when I think of other, uh, like a, a challenge in retail too, is like, you know, how might, how would you sell more stuff? Right. Pretty, pretty significant, <laughs> pretty simply, right. Like, you yeah. know, like that it's a, it's a, it's, there's a piece that's a volume game. Um, and, and so many brands you see start out and they think about, they think about that question first and, and then, and then like, yes, you can sell stuff, but it ends up being a race to the bottom really quickly. And what I find really interesting about Parachute and what I know about the brand and what we're learning in this conversation is you guys are really thinking about brand story and brand and like differentiation, not, not just on all of the, right. The other pieces, like the, the features, the functionality, that piece, but actually on story. Yeah. I mean, we spend a lot of time on narrative. I think we're most focused on making sure that that people versus just selling a lot of stuff. I think what's more important to us is that people want to interact with this brand. Mm -hmm. We have built the reason that we're doing what we're doing is 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 very heartfelt. Ariel long ago set out to make a product that, like I said before, really makes you feel good in your home, and that's a high quality. Um, 
extremely well-made and well-designed product. And so we want to make sure that customers are really feeling that and, and experiencing that product the right way. So we focus more on customer interaction. Um, we want people to be coming back to the brand, participating in it, um, enjoying what they have. If they don't like it, sending it back and getting something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so we spend way more time on that than we spend thinking about, like, how do we sell more stuff? Um, I think, you know, that that sometimes is, a like you said, a tricky thing for brands because they want to get into the – there's so many great things that come with volume. But what you don't really want to do is is compete just based on price to sell more right. volume or one of one of the other things that you can get sucked into. I think the other thing that we really focus on is is making sure that we create the products in the right way. And so I think there's ways to create the product in certain parts of the world that don't have a lot of concern for where it comes from. Excellent. And there's many brands that do that. And that's great. If you're really focused on price and you just want like the cheapest thing ever, then those brands are great for that. I think companies like The Honest Company and Tom's really pay attention to where that product comes from. We source all of our stuff from Europe. It's 100% fair trade, Ecotech certified. Uh, and we spend a lot of time making sure that that our supply chain um, is the best. We also donate $10 of every Venice set uh, to Nothing But Nets. So we give back um, in, in a way that I think is very important to REL. So that's also a really important part of what we do. And what's what's Nothing But Nets? Uh, they provide malaria nets to people in need in Africa. So we we donated uh, close to $100,000 to them last year. Wow. Uh, I think we're the second biggest donor or third behind Steph Curry uh, of the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> and um, and we're, we have a, a really great partnership with them. We we interact with them all the time. Amazing. Yeah, so cool. And that, that goes to that brand story, right? You feel good. You feel good when the yeah. brand is doing things like that in the world to make the world a better place. And that's 100% REL and now the company. I mean, we all feel that way and that's why we do it. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So we talked a lot about the the inventory side, right? And the product side. Um, you also, Parachute is acquiring customers daily. Um, and you started as an e-commerce brand. You started out, that means you have to acquire customers online. For many businesses right now, that's a huge part of their marketing focus. Um, but you guys have an offline store, and I think you're about to do something really interesting in your marketing spend. Um, yeah. So online, like you said, online marketing has been the core of the brand sort of since the beginning. And it's really, it's really been beneficial. We, we were early on doing a lot of things um, that, that lots of brands do now. But the tricky part about online advertising, as I think a lot of brands find, is that yeah, – you can start to hit a wall with with reaching the the people that you want to reach just mm-hmm. purely because you're constrained by a couple of the major networks, Facebook and Google. And so, what we've found really effective and interesting is to um, is to leverage offline channels. And mm-hmm. this goes back to that idea that we really want to interact with people where they want to be interacted with. And there's people that that do like retail, so we focus on retail. And there's people that really enjoy um, uh, well, I mean, everybody does. There's TV and there's there's the new form of TV, Netflix and Hulu. And and so we're considering channels like that. We're, um, we're also focusing on more out of home and potentially um, more uh, radio and podcasts because these are really big um, um, growing media channels, I think, for the generation that that is most focused on Parachute. I think you're seeing this with a lot of um, e-commerce native brands, too. They've they're they're starting to leverage the offline channel in order to drive 
uh, more awareness in the online channel, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's really interesting that um, you guys, right, starting on e-commerce and then moving back offline. Um, and there's been a couple other e-commerce brands like Casper in the bedding space um, that does mattresses, I believe, right? But other brands have tried that as well. Was that part of the inspiration or there, like where, where, where does the inspiration come for, you know, that approach to, to reaching customers? Well, I, I, we've certainly seen um, other brands doing that. And so it would be, you know, I'd be remiss to say that that didn't influence it in some way, but it was more to say that, oh, you know, this seems to be working for other people. We should really think about how that could that could be helpful in what we're trying to do. Um, and I, I think it's it's logical if you think about it. It's like people spend an increasing amount of time online every day, of course, but they're also out um, in all of these different mediums. It's not just on Facebook and Instagram. I mean, people are watching Hulu. They are spending time writing to work every day. And so if there's a way to really connect with them in those environments, uh, that's what that's where we want to be. Amazing. So I want to turn a little bit and cover a couple other areas. So one of the things that we are LA Tech, right? Great community of entrepreneurs and the whole entrepreneurial ecosystem in LA. Um, the community has grown a lot. Um, and Devin, you've been a part of the community actually for a really long time. Can you tell us a little bit more about kind of your background and what brought you here to LA? Um, yeah, so I've been in LA for 10 years now. I originally came out for grad school. And um, you're a Bruin. Sorry. Bruin, right? Uh, yes, I am. I, <laughs> yes. My, my loyalties are to my undergrad yet. school. Uh, <laughs> so don't hate me if you went to USC. Um, but yeah. Where, so, where's your undergrad? Uh, I went to Duke. Okay. Good yeah. school too. <laughs> <laughs> we have a basketball team. So came out here for grad school and then uh, I've really been focused on tech um, uh, the whole way after that. Spent several years in M&A and then moved over to e-commerce I think what's been really fascinating for me about the LA tech community is how much it's changed in those 10 years. Um, I, there, there, ever since I've been here, there has been an LA tech community in my mind. It's been really strong, but it seems like over the last several years, there's been a lot more attention on LA. Um, a few years after I got here, Google moved in. Then of course, Snapchat uh, happened. And then there seemed to be all these next level potential unicorn companies sprouting up in LA and um, a fair amount of attention from the funding community uh, in San Fran and elsewhere. And so that has been really amazing to see. Yeah. And you've been at a part of it from a number of different angles now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I am honored. Well, I would be honored to say yes to that. I think, <laughs> you know, uh, a very small part, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and where are you from originally? Uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. And, uh, and so, so from the Midwest and then coming out here, so grad school brought you out here. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I'd and, like to point out that I think one of the Twitter co-founders is from St. Louis. I uh, can't remember which one it is, but either Dorsey or, um, Biz. Okay. I can't remember, but they did create an incubator in St. Louis. So watch out. <laughs> <laughs> another up and coming, another up and coming tech community mm -hmm. and uh, grad school brought you here, but did, did it, what else kept you here? Uh, I think it was partially seeing that growth in the, the tech scene here. Um, mm -hmm. It was just really fascinating and opportunities kept presenting themselves. Uh, I think the town itself is just an amazing place. Um, What's particularly interesting for the fields that I've been in is, first of all, you have that funding interest, and then you have a couple really amazing VCs here, um, um, Graycroft, of course, and then up front, uh, 
which is uh, our main sponsor, and and um, they they have been fantastic. And so the funding scene is great. And then they're in the the textiles world and in the fashion world and in the e-commerce and the textiles world. There is this whole realm of um, all the fashion companies and textile companies that that are part of the old world. So uh, Forever Twenty One. Um, Lucky Brand, American Apparel. And so you have all this talent and all Mm -hmm. of this knowledge that really understands how uh, the world of um, design, manufacturing, inventory, planning, um, and even marketing work. And so it's Mm -hmm. been amazing to be able to work with that talent pool. Yeah. And and all starting from sort of LA as a branding place, right? (laughs) The ultimate branding. Um, So are there any, are there any LA tech companies right now that that you think of as you know being particularly innovative, or ones that that um, you get inspiration from. Uh, you know, I'm I'm again going to be partial to the textiles and e-commerce world. Yeah, and so I mentioned Honest and and Thrive and Tom's before, of course. Those are sort of the the um, the people that showed us how to do it. Um, but then there's companies like the Books, um, Black Tux, uh, Ritual. Um, and even my friends over at Buck Mason. And I think, you know, Buck Mason's a great brand. Love those guys. They're amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. They've got a store in Venice too, right? Yeah. They've got a store in Venice and Silver Lake and they just, they're about to open in New York as well. Yeah. Uh, On Abbott Kinney. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And so they're, you know, in a lot of ways they're comparable to Parachute in the way that they're so relentlessly focused on quality and brand and um, treating customers well. Uh Um, And they, you know, they want to interact with customers in whatever medium they can. Yeah. So I, yeah, I've just really been impressed with them. And the books you mentioned too, John is a fellow, fellow Bruin, right? Yeah. Fellow UCLA alum. He's he's amazing. They're amazing. I ordered my first set of flowers uh, three years ago when I was courting my girlfriend who is about to be my wife. Yes. Two weeks from now. Congratulations. Um, so, you know, in a lot of ways, the books helped me uh, seal that up. John, thank you so thank much. You, 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 uh, you, you created a lasting memory. She and was a, and like, a oh, of- these flowers are from Peru. Like this guy, <laughs> this guy's amazing. <laughs> and they're sustainable. <laughs> and you were like, that's why I chose them. Yeah, that's why I did that. Yeah. <laughs> Not because it's super convenient and easy. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course. Um, so... Devin, if you had an ask of the LA community, like how can we help you? How can the LA community help you? Hmm. I, you know, I think it would be the other way around. How can we help the LA community? I, I feel like we've gotten so much from uh, just from being here. Um, I would love to see even more investment and even more mm. types of businesses uh, forming down here. I, I have a, I feel like the, the, uh, presence of Google and Snapchat has really driven a lot on the the tech infrastructure side um, versus just like a straight up e-commerce. I would love to see more uh, robotics and VR and that sort of fundamental deep tech um, that's happening up in the Bay Area. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're starting to see a little bit more of that in Pasadena. Sometimes I think Santa Monica doesn't see that quite as much, yeah. um, but there's, there's uh, that, that part of the ecosystem is growing. And hopefully to your point though, there hasn't been like the, the, at least as I'm aware of, like the giant, right? Like, like can we get a can we get a, a Google sized company, right? That would change the right. whole landscape. And here. it feels like it's happening. I just yeah. I just don't know where it's going to happen. Yeah. One other uh, group that's doing amazing stuff is LACI, the Clean Tech Incubator downtown. Yeah. Um, I've had a fair amount of interaction with them, and they they have some amazing companies there. So 
you know, maybe it'll be clean tech. Who knows? <laughs> Amazing. So, so I've got something that, that the community can do for you, right? Next door to Parachute is a ice cream place called Jenny's. <laughs> I've actually never been there, but it looks amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. It's very dangerous to have it next door to your office. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can go, you can stop down on Rose, um, check out Parachute, um, check out, meet their amazing customer service people. Know that whatever conversation you're having, the team at Parachute is actually listening and learning and getting better at serving your needs, which not is all awesome. This. It's not creepy. It's totally cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask for me and I'll come out and say hello. Yes. Um, ask for Devin. So Devin, thank you so much for being on the show. This is amazing. Um, tell us where, where can people find Parachute and, uh, where can we find you? Um, so you can find us at 542 Rose Avenue in Venice if you want to go to the physical store. Or you can find us online at parachutehome.com. Amazing. And where can we find you? Anytime you want to talk to me, just come to the store on Rose Avenue and ask uh, one of the lovely associates there and, and they will come find me. Amazing. Devin, thank you for being a guest. Uh, once again, this is We Are LA Tech. I'm Brian Nickerson, uh, guest hosting for Esprit. We miss you, Esprit. Uh, and with that, it's a wrap. Thanks, Devin. Thank you all. Thanks to We Are LA Tech. We Are LA Tech is independently funded by the community. We couldn't make this happen without your support. If you too want to contribute to We Are LA Tech and see us making the podcast, building the mobile apps, creating the events year after year, consider contributing at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash We Are LA Tech. Thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.